Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, hello, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to The Wind Down. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hello, Nick, and how are you going? I'm very well indeed. I'm very well indeed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking about the Essential Eight. But before we do that, um, as is normal in the wind down, where are we and what are we drinking? Well, given that we're in wind down lockdown, um, (laughs) we are are, uh, on the internet. um, But we've managed to synchronize on on at least a type of wine or a, a brand of wine, although I noticed the one that I picked is um, is a 2018, and you've managed to find the 2020. Yes, I did. So I, I went I went to my bottle shop and I found a. Got the, uh, uh, let me get that oh, in the shop. Yes. So um, I can tell you, all of a sudden, yours is going to be uh, noticeably different to mine. So, so unlike old technology, um, old old wine is better, whereas old technology uh, is not better, right? Old, old wine, wine gets better over time before it then declines very rapidly into vinegar uh, in, <laughs> if it's not designed to be a long-lasting wine. Uh, technology becomes more cost-effective over time because generally you've already paid for it and you're just letting it there run. But the reality is it actually costs more over time because it's older, slower, less productive and uses more power and so forth. But, yes, it's a bit of a fake economy in that respect. And, and also less secure, which is what we're going to talk about. But before we do, give us a rundown of the wine, Scott, because that's all the wine. Yes. Well, given we didn't want to go around to um, 20 different bottle shops, because that seems like be the, the uh, thing that only people with COVID do, um, I, I think we just <laughs> find something in the um, in, in the uh, bottom of the cellar here. And I, I picked this out. It's a, it's a, look, it's, it's a decent sort of pub wine. It's a St. Um, Helens uh, Faith. It's there sort of rock-solid entry-level performer on the um, on the pub scene. Uh, this is the 2018, so it's been sitting around for a while. It's starting to get a bit of uh, bit of body to it, which is which is good. Um, it's, it's actually quite nice drinking now. Uh, yours might be a little um, so, so, so young. Mine, mine's the 2020, and, and I must say I've had a sip, and this wine starts brilliantly, and then you go, oh, young wine, almost straight after that. Yeah, so, okay. so it needs like a little while that's, to, to calm down. So that's the that's the taste that I refer to of the it's too young. I think I've just drunk petrol. <laughs> it's okay. not that bad, but yes. It's not bad. <laughs> I will say, though, um, you should try uh, decantering it, decantering yep. it uh, for a little period of time, and you'd, you'd be surprised, even for a young wine, what that would do. Now, I've also got, by the way, yeah, we said we should go and yeah, and we, with with the team, we actually talked about. Look, you're, you're in lockdown. You're going to have some spare time every now and then. You know, make sure you keep studying and you know keep your skills up to date. So I thought I'd study this. Now, what the what this is? It's actually a winerator. So uh, yes, you, you I know you've probably seen these. And in one respect, yeah, it's a bit gimmicky. But in another respect, they actually do work. Um, you um you sort of you pour your wine in in, in the top here. And I'll just turn it around that way in, in the top, and it sort of goes through. And depending on the setting here, from one to six, and I think I keep it on about four normally, um, it will actually make sure there's sufficient bubbles in the wine, in the air bubbles as it comes out, to make sure there's a lot of air getting into the wine very quickly. 
sexy colors. More bubbles for really older, heavier wines, and sort of going into one or zero for you know just a little bit. Um, it's an interesting experience. You can actually taste the difference. Anyway, very cool, very cool. Anyway, we we should get on with what we're talking about today. And today yes. we're talking about a new release of something Ooh. called the Essential Eight. And for those of you watching, um, I'll put up a little thing. Here we go. You can download from uh, it's a bit.ly, bit.ly slash capital T, capital T, Essential Eight, with a capital E at the beginning, number eight at the end. So it's way easier to see than, than me talk it. But Scott, from a high level for people who don't know, what's the mm. Essential Eight? So it, we did have a previous episode about the Essential Eight on the previous version of the Essential 8. So the Essential 8, uh, and prior to the Essential 8, there was the Essential 4. Mm -hmm. um, but the Essential 8 are eight key mitigation strategies around cybersecurity and risk, or technology risk in organisations. So um, we'll, have, we'll quickly run through what they are, but um, if you look at each of these strategies, there are ways that you can help secure your data, your systems, your, your organisation as a whole, um, such that it's not easy to extract data out of or to have ransomware come in and be affected and so forth. So, so this is, this is uh, to, to paraphrase what you said, it's a set of things you should do, instructions built by the Australian government to make yourself more secure, i.e. a security maturity model, right? Yes. From the Australian Cyber Security uh, Centre, yes, which part of the um, the old Signals Directorate, but uh, yes, it is actually a government document, and uh, which is which is a good reference. It's, there's no specific vendor pushing an agenda of these are the key uh, the key features of my product. Therefore, these are the key things you should do. This is look here are here are eight things. Here's a list of eight things. Go and do these, and you'll be a lot better off. So if you had your house, one might be lock your door, lock your window, and put a bolt on something, and. and that's the sort of thing we're talking about. So the, when I was reading through it this morning, because this is what I do, right? I, I have no life, so why not read the Essential 8? Um, I noticed um, that it's designed to protect Windows-based internet-connected networks. And I think what's interesting is you said it wasn't vendor-specific, but I think the government's saying, yeah, it really is. This is really <laughs> specifically designed if you're running Windows, like most people are. Yeah, well, that's um, that, that's just it. And interestingly enough, originally this came out as the requirement just for the government departments. And the original versions of the document said, look, this is what we want government departments to have in place. And we're not talking about the ultra-secure government departments, but just all the normal government departments. Here are the security setup you know, um, principles we need to have in place to be able to ensure that we've got the right ticks in the right boxes and we're protected. But it's, cool. it's gone a bit further now, so it's good. Excellent. No, it, it has, and, and it's grown up. And I'll, I'll just put that link so people can download it back on the screen. Um, so you can actually, if, if you're watching, it's something you can go go get and download. I'll leave that up for a little while so people can see it. Now, let's get back to it. So it's been around since June 2017. Yeah. Um, uh, so the been, eight have. Yes, the Essential 8 has. Essential 8 have. And getting into... Um, implementing it, they're saying you should identify a target maturity model that's suitable for your environment. And what, what do they mean? I, I would have thought it's kind of an all or nothing. Why is there these target uh, models, Scott? We've got to be careful. And if you actually go back and look at the original version, uh, there were four levels. Right. And there were actually levels outside of that as well. But uh, level four was actually very strict. 
in a lot of areas. And you sort of worked out that, well, many businesses probably wouldn't have those specific needs. Like if I'm maybe the Department of Finance or the maybe it's the Prime Minister's Department or something like that, or maybe it's ASIO or something like that, maybe, yeah, they're going to have specific security needs above and beyond what the average you know, business is going to have. Uh, therefore, they've got more specific requirements. Uh, that maturity level is since no longer there. There's no need to go and publish. They, they actually take care of that themselves separately. But there are now three maturity levels in the document, um, and really four because there is a – you can sort of say there is a zero if you haven't reached maturity level one yet. Um, yes. And those three levels are – and we, we sort of look at oh, maturity level one. Yeah, I can't – everybody's going to be there. No, it's, you actually have to do a little bit of work even to get to maturity level one on some of these strategies. Uh, so, and this is, this so, is the important so, thing. So I think it's interesting, and I, I'll quote from them. They say, with the exception of maturity level zero, which I oh, do nothing, okay. <laughs> um, the maturity levels are based on mitigating your increase the increasing levels of adversary tradecraft. That's very, very that's forward. very James Bond, isn't it? That's very <laughs> spy-like. Yes. <laughs> but they're talking about you need to consider the likelihood of you being targeted by one of these bad guys is influenced by the desirability to adversaries like what what can they get if they get into your systems yeah um the consequences and the requirement for confidentiality of the data so it's not about how big you are it's not about how many staff you have it's about what type of data do you have in your business right it, it is and the ease of access to that data and this is um this is starting to get more towards managing risk uh just because you have an old Windows PC that may have vulnerabilities in it, if that PC isn't connected to the to your network and maybe isn't even connected to the internet, then your sort of level of risk is fairly low. I mean, who's going to get to it? An attacker yep. would have to physically be at site, plug something in. And depending on if you've just got an old game on there, is someone really likely to spend all that time to break into somewhere to physically go and hack a machine like that? It's not worth their time and effort. But if, but if I'm an accounting firm with tax file numbers and financial yes. details on a bunch of clients, then it doesn't matter if I've only got two people in my business. It's that those ones who should be looking at a higher maturity level, right? Absolutely. Anyone that's got um, uh, personal information about people, anybody that's got secure financial data, which is, look, most businesses have an element of secure data such that if that data was released out into the public, it would be it would cause harm to them, mm -hmm. either reputational damage or operational damage. For for example, maybe it's getting away. Here's how we here's how our business works, and all your competitors look at that and go, "Oh, is that how they do that?" And all of a sudden, your competitive advantage is no longer there. So, so secrets are important in business. Yes. I think it's quite funny. I, I chat, chat to my kids about, you know, reading terms and conditions on things and understanding, you know, how organisations have access to their data, and they go, "Well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so it doesn't matter." And I go, yeah, but secrets are important. You know, that's how you become competitive in business. That's how you, you know, grow your key intellectual property. There's all sorts of things there. Yeah, look, a lot of those terms and conditions were very uh, favoured towards the supplier uh, yep. and until it became, like, very public knowledge about what they said. For example, if you use our application on our website, all of, our, all of the data is ours regardless of whether you like that or not. And it'll be yep. a fine print in there somewhere. And then after a while, people start complaining about that, which starts to generate reputational damage for that company. And all of a sudden, they change their policies as a result. 
Meanwhile, on the back, they're selling off all that data. <laughs> yes. Some of the antivirus cool. products had that at one point too. Uh, no, anyway. I, I understand that. So, um, maturity level one, let's yes. just quickly go through those, um, is about adversaries looking for any victim. They're not specifically targeting you. You just get caught up in the general morass of viruses, spyware, spam, that kind of stuff. Yeah, look, there, there used to be people behind these going, I'm manually trying to break into organizations one at a time, and I'm going to use mm -hmm. these specific tools and procedures that I've learned and so forth. But it's a very slow approach. So that got automated. It actually got yep. built into systems. It got scripted. You can go online now and put a, you know, put your credit card in and all of a sudden list a whole bunch of people you want to attack and off it goes. And so that's so mature, maturity level one is really countering those already published exploits, right? We, we yeah. know about them. We know what people are doing. Maturity level two is yeah. a step up. So adversaries will perceive um, invest more time and perhaps more effective tools um so they're doing well-known things but they'll try and do more of them so technical yes. social engineering phishing weak multi-factor authentication they're trying to get in to get data from those organizations rather than and just a scattergun approach this is i'm now actually trying to get to this org that's right and you'd have to look at what what sort of data do i have and is that really something that's going to be of value to someone what could they do with that Yep. Yep. Sure. Now, maturity level three, which is fairly onerous, it's about yes. adversaries who are trying, actually trying hard to exploit a specific organization. So, for example, an accounting firm. I, I really want to get into those because I know they've got data and money. A, a bank, uh, um, you know, a financial planner, a, um, a Bitcoin exchange, anything where I can get commercial advantage from doing it. These are the kind of ones, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. And this is you look. This to some degree, this applies to most people in finance and banking industries, insurance. Um, uh, a lot of uh, online applications where they're storing credit card details. It, 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 there's a whole there's a whole variety here, and the the conditions have actually increased for each of these maturity levels. Yes, I, I saw that. So I think the requirements is the next bit we get to. So I'm not going to go through the hyperlinks. Um, but then we get <laughs> when we get to the next bit where this entire thing goes. Um, so there's some descriptions which are. Oh, oh, oh. Um, no, well, I don't think we know. To. We can describe them as we go. We'll we'll, we'll keep going through those. Yes. Yeah, so okay. There, there are there are eight specific um, strategies. Uh, yes. One of them is around application control. It basically yes. says you have a list of the applications that you are allowing to run on your corporate workstations, and yep. if there's anything else that tries to run, it's blocked. Okay, so this is actually the things you need to have in maturity level one. That's uh, Sorry, I missed that. So let's kind of go through that. Application but, control, right? We control yes. what you can run. You just can't that's, run everything. That's right. And look, most, most antivirus products now, or the, the old what were antivirus products in the past, they've actually grown a lot. They all do all different levels of security now. They, mm -hmm. um, they have the ability to do things like list the whitelist or we don't actually we don't call it that anymore do we um but li list the applications that you um you, you wish to allow to run and list yes the so you've got the, the safe the safe list of applications safe list. the unsafe list safe of applications list. The unsafe yeah, we, list. we we have yes. changed our terminology absolutely well there you um, go so, 
So maturity level one, you need application control. Now, I know lots of organizations which don't have that. I know they should, but lots which don't. So something like Microsoft Intune or a decent yeah. RMM system will allow you to do this kind of control, right? Strangely enough, most organizations have the ability to do this now. It's just the thing where, oh, what if someone wants to run something? Well, they're not allowed to. That's the whole purpose of this. You're locking down the workstations such that only the, the tools and applications that you know are safe are allowed to run. That yep. way, if they did get hacked for some reason, and especially if people taking workstations home, plugging them into home networks and so forth, you want them blocking unknown applications from running. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next, patch. We've talked about this, Scott. Patching. And this, this is interesting. So this used to be um, the, the original or well, the previous version of this, as in from two weeks ago, because <laughs> this is very new. Um, patching applications, we used to have um, some, a, a little less stringent uh, list of requirements for this, but now we're actually starting to get into a bit of detail. Like for maturity level two, actually I own one now as well, you actually have to be running vulnerability scanners in your network. You and this, this is a new requirement. And I just automatically recognize that there's a whole bunch of vulnerability scanner vendors out there that are all of a sudden going to be pushing this in their marketing very quickly. Um, but most organizations probably aren't running vulnerability scanners unless your MSP is doing it for you as part of what they do. Now we, we do in our managed clients, we know that, and we actually get the reports and go through them and oh, we've got to address this and this and so forth. So, so I think that's a really interesting point. If I was sitting here in an organization where I've got like a member of staff running IT or you know, I'm not going out to a, a managed service provider, I've got to go and find solutions for these things, right? You, you do. And these can get quite technical. They're like vulnerability scanners. You, it's a tool that you sit on your network and it has a list, a bit like think of antivirus how it used to be. It's got a list of all the bad things it knows about. And in, for some of these scanners, they will have a list of fifty to 60,000 known threats. And it will go and find everything on your network and start looking for those threats to see if they exist. And it'll come Brilliant. back with a report and say, I found this machine, it's a host, it's a, it's a router, it's a firewall, and I, it's, um, we managed to expose that it's vulnerable to this, 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 and this. Go and fix this. So, so it's not just that, right? It's, it's things like your PDF software and anything oh, you're running it, can have vulnerabilities in it. Absolutely. So let, let's go through some more. Um, Microsoft okay. Office macros disabled. Ooh. Hey. Macros blocked. Macro yes. antivirus. And macro yes. security setting not being able to be changed by users. Yes. And you're now also at level two having to log whenever someone does run a macro in an Office application. Yes. Yeah, I'm just looking at level one here. This is this is the most basic <laughs> level, which is hilarious. Next thing, user application hardening, right? Mm. Number one, web browsers do not process Java. That's interesting. Yes. Um, well, I process... think in, in general, you'd remove Java. In... You unless you would. You would. Unless, unless you've you got a specific internal it. application that runs it. Like every government department. Anyway, <laughs> explore, now here's an, this is this is phrase so PC, Internet Explorer 11 does not process content from the internet. That's saying don't use Internet Explorer 11 unless it's talking to an internal application, right? That's right. You've got an old application there that you haven't had to get a chance to update yet. Yes. I have Inter no idea. I actually like the second one. 
web browsers do not process web advertisements from the internet, and that's important too. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, there goes the ad revenue. Anyway. <laughs> But but I think it's interesting. They, they're talking about user application hardening, and they really have understood that most applications run in a browser now. Yes. Cool. Okay, moving on. Restrict administrative privileges. We've talked about this for a while, you know, making sure. Yeah, you know, we call it authorized lease privilege. Give people only the privileges they need to do their job and no more. That's right. And most organizations, I would say, would have a hard time ticking all these boxes. Uh, I'm thinking most organizations would have a hard time ticking most of these boxes. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, we talked about vulnerability scanning. They're talking about operating systems. Make sure your yes. operating systems are scanned within 48 hours if an exploit exists. So that means those critical security patches that come out on a Tuesday need to be done by Thursday. Yeah, this this is a hard one because all of a sudden you, a, a vulnerability is, is found and look, a lot of applications uh, today use common open source foundations in when they're written. Uh, and these open source foundations, there's a lot of older security threats that are finding their way out of those. So that when organizations find, oh, look, we're running this application, or oh, it's we've had a zero day threat in this old module that someone wrote you know, 10 years ago, Okay, there's a patch coming, and we've got like within 48 hours to actually go and fix it on our internet-facing server. That's that's a very rushed sort of time frame for most organisations. I, I would say I, I hear you, but not so much, right? A lot of these, if you keep things consistently up to date, doing yeah. a minor version upgrade for a security vulnerability should have absolutely no impact or tiny impact on what you're doing. The issue comes though when you've let everything you've gone and developed an internal application or something and you've let it sit and you haven't kept it up to date that's when your issues start well especially the 48 hour one uh but um, sure. but I'm, I'm still looking at things like how do you get change windows for bringing key applications down let's say we've got websites that are online running processing business data around the clock mm -hmm. and all of a sudden yeah. oh, we've got to bring it down for a while to make sure that this and this is well, just level one yeah, but for a start, you shouldn't have to ever bring an app down to do an update to it. There are mitigations for that. You are true. Modern applications, you should not have to do that with. Yep, no, absolutely. Um, next one, we've we've spoken about this ad nauseum, multi-factor authentication. Well, so, Nick, just very quickly, the, the previous line there, though, operating systems that are no longer supported by vendors are replaced. Are replaced, yes. Now, I guess you've got to question what the term support means, but Windows 7... I, I, I think vendors, I, I think if you go and look at Microsoft's secure support policy, Windows 7 is no longer supported by Microsoft. I think that's... Yes, there, there is a way to get extended support. I'm, I'm not sure it's a great... Yes, you you have to pay a lot of money for it, though. It's not cheap. But but does that mean it's no longer supported? If that means, if that means it's supported by the vendor, absolutely. Right? If you if, pay the when money. The vendor, if you pay the money, yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay. And that's beyond the reach of any but the largest organizations, really. That, it's, that's it's crazy true. money. They, these are special um, cases. Yes, absolutely. Multi-factor authentication. We I, I don't need to go into that. We know what it is, and we've spoken about it time and time again. On this this um, multi-factor authentication, you need to do it. You um, need to do it, and in fact, it's tightened up a lot in this version as well. But They've I would really say I saw, I saw something interesting happen with a um, a little sporting club I'm associated with. Um, someone's husband walked in. He's a cybersecurity person, and immediately turned on multi-factor authentication which actually meant because he hadn't implemented it with regards to the users that 
fifty percent of the users uh, can't can't access the systems at all anymore because it wasn't rolled out properly. So I would yes. say he who sacrifices usability for security deserves neither, um, and and that was one of those cases. Yeah, there, there is a bit of a process that you can't just go and tick all the boxes and then look. I've done my technical bit. Off I go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, so anyway, regular backups, which we've spoken about as well. You need to make backups. You need to. Here's an interesting one. Unprivileged accounts can only access their own backups. Yes, this is new uh, because there used to be some things in here talking about uh, backups must be stored in uh, a, a non-erasable. Um, and non-destructible format or method. Um, there was a lot of terminology around, well, what exactly does that mean? So they've actually changed that now because we, we worked out in reality that means you've got to put it onto a, a right once tape and put it somewhere. And that was just not a great Absolutely. idea. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, just I'm mindful of time because we try not yeah. to make these run too long, I'm going to skip maturity level two understanding it's harder than maturity level one and i'm going to go straight to maturity level three just for laughs would that be that be a fun thing to do scott well i tell you what maturity level three is uh, a lot stronger in this version of the document and where i think you'll find people have gotten to that point previously they probably aren't there anymore now uh, yeah i think and this is interesting absolutely so application control um similar but microsoft's block rules are implemented microsoft's recommended driver block rules are implemented rule sets are validated on a frequent basis allowed or blocked executions are centrally logged but i will say though the, the the point previously in the document did say you've got to verify if this is appropriate for your business's level of risk yep, yep. Which is again Pat quite detailed. Patching starts to be looking similar, but then it goes on. There's a lot more words there. There's a lot more <laughs> words. Absolutely. Applications no longer supported by vendors are removed. Um, mm. Office macros. This goes on and on and on. Oh, um, yes. It's like not making Win32 API calls. Security settings cannot be changed. Um, I would say turn off macros is kind of the message I'm hearing here, unless you really, really, really need it. Um, it, can, it can be hard, though. You're finding organizations that have had spreadsheets with macros in them from years past that are still using them to perform calculations, and they've, they've well, got to you, get to them over time and remove them. Perf perfect point. If you listen to the Accounting Technology Fireside Chat podcast this morning, and we're oh. talking about how do we remove spreadsheets from businesses. So I managed, to get, I managed to get an accountant to agree that it was probably better if we started removing spreadsheets. Yes. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, lots and lots of user application handling. So Office can't create child processes. Mm. PDF software can't. Um, vendor hardening guidance. .NET Framework 3.5, including oh, .NET 3.0. Oh, that's going to hurt. Removed. Windows PowerShell 2.0 is disabled or removed those are quite big yeah there's a there's a lot of applications still floating around out there in older versions of .NET, um and even powershell 2.0 there's yeah yes but you don't need to be running powershell 2.0 you can you can upgrade that but .NET framework 3.5 there's legacy applications that use that so that's mm. fascinating um administrative privileges is restricting um disabled and all sorts of things like that 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 goes on that's very very complicated but they do talk about windows defender credential guard and windows defender remote credential guard we're gonna look into that one yes i think that's i think we should 
Yep, just in time administration as well. I think that's really important to think about. So you're not an administrator until you need yeah. to do something. Then you are. Then you aren't again. Yes, super timed important. administration access. Yep. Yes, um, patching. Um, lots more words here, um, but very similar. Um, Multi-factor authentication goes on and on. Uh, verifier impersonation okay. resistant. Yep, something users have and something they know, or something they have that is unlocked by something they know or are. Um, which is that one? <laughs> Regular backups is very similar to the rest of them. Um, it's not too bad, the backups one, yes, but it does. Um, we're still looking at unprivileged accounts just not being able to access things. And then we go on and talk about the comparison and maturity levels, which I think we can let people read at yeah. their leisure, given we've been wittering on about this for half an hour. Um, yeah. so the interesting thing overall, though, is, is that this is a, it's getting a lot more detailed. The, the notch is being moved a little bit every time this comes out. Yep. Um, so it, I guess it's important not to fall too far behind. I think that's the same with everything, and I think that's the message. The more you fall behind, the harder it is to get back. If you keep everything up to date and current, you're making small incremental changes always, rather than having this big, massive change you have to do. But I think if you are setting up a new business now, you you start here. Oh, look, absolutely. And I think organisations need to look at and make a, a risk-based decision on what maturity level best suits their organisation. And say so yep. that that is the standard that we are setting in place, and that's that's just a big step there because now you've got a list of recommendations that you can move forward with. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. So so that was it. That was the review of the latest updates to the Essential Eight Maturity Model published by the Australian Government Signals Directorate, um, cyber.gov.au. There's a link. Um, on the screen, um, and I'll make sure that goes in the comments on everywhere we post this for you to read it. And that was the wind down for this week. I hope you found it interesting. Um, we certainly got a like. I always appreciate likes. Um, but if you do want us to discuss a comment, please um, subscribe, um, leave a comment letting us know what topics you'd like us to discuss. We certainly will do those. Um, if you're listening after the fact, thank you for coming along and listening. There's lots more episodes. This is actually episode number 42, which is the <coughs> meaning of life the universe and everything and um, i'm looking forward to us hitting the milestone of episode 50 so scott thank you so much once again that's all right thank you nick it's good to know that uh the essential aid is the meaning of life <laughs> and <laughs> absolutely and and i su super hope everybody has a fantastic rest of the day and if you are in lockdown um keep smiling we've got loads of podcasts for you to watch while you're sitting there <laughs> um not doing anything so thanks if, Scott. if you are in lockdown i will say one thing very quickly and this is uh something my wife mentioned before she read online that um this is the only time in your life you're um, you're likely to be able to go into a bank and ask for money wearing a mask Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a story about that, but I'll leave it for another time. Scott, thank yes. you so much. Everybody, thanks. Thank you. thanks for listening and watching. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.